Welcome to the On Point Podcast, a channel dedicated to helping you be the best hunter you can be. On Point is designed to help motivate and inspire you to get more out of yourself and your gear during your next hunt. If you're looking for information that will directly impact your success and help inspire you to go on new adventures, whether you're hunting with a bow or a rifle, On Point is the channel for you. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the podcast. I got to sit down with Wayne Sherrard and Anthony Maldonado and talk Oregon Blacktails tips and tactics for calling them in, rattling them in. And Wayne is an absolute machine. Anthony and I put the grill on him and just absolutely got everything we wanted out of him as far as information and how is he getting these big blacktail consistently. And uh, he's an absolute monster of, of just so much information and just absolutely is dove head first recorded his results through the years and i think if you guys are really start want to start rattling these things in and calling these things in in the late season this is going to be a really good episode for you guys to learn how to do that and we also go down some some rabbit holes that lead to some good places but really great episode for blacktail hunters out there and i really hope you guys get a lot out of it this episode is brought to you by Onyx Maps. The Onyx Maps is a great e-scouting tool that I use every single day. I was using it today while we're out bear hunting uh, to figure out, because we're kind of hunting a new area, just expanding a little bit, and we had service. We could check if the roads that we were wanting to take were dead ends, if they led to units, who owned the units, who owned the land, you know, could we hunt there? Just the ability to, to do that on the fly, holy smokes. That's worth the gas money that you're going to spend driving back to town, looking it up, driving back, or driving out there and then figuring out it doesn't go anywhere good. It pays for itself just in knowing where you're going and saving that time, knowing it doesn't go anywhere. So uh, Onyx Maps, I use it all the time. They believe in me and the podcast, and they do a lot of great things for the hunting community. And you can get your feet wet, guys, for less than 30 bucks a year. So uh, please, if you can, check them out. They are a great company, and they have supplied an awesome giveaway already that Sam Rogers won, our last one. And you can win the next one by giving me a five-star review on iTunes, but you have to leave a comment with it. And that's so I know uh, who left the review, because if you don't leave a comment, I don't see who it is. So leave me a comment. Tell me to enter you in contest number two, and that is for a uh, any state uh, Onyx Maps membership for one year, and uh, I'm telling you, if you don't have it, check it out, and uh, you you will be definitely glad you do. And if you have somebody's birthday coming up, you don't want to give them their hunter. Um, they make great, affordable presents as well. So I can't say enough good stuff about it. I think this is one of the most used items I have for hunting. Period. So uh, I want to make sure that we're providing you guys with products that I believe in that I use on the daily, and this is one of them. So Onyx Maps, go check them out. Episode's also brought to you by Hunter's Hall, which is a uh, subscription box. And if you don't know what that is, it's a box that comes in the mail. You have a bunch of products that you may have heard of, may have been wanting to try, maybe they're new to you. And if you're a gear junkie, you just like getting those nice surprises in the mail each month, and you like trying new things, subscription box are awesome. And these ones can be custom tailored to the things that you're into, like elk hunting, turkey hunting, deer hunting. 
Um, so check out Hunter's Hall. If you do decide to actually make a subscription or a purchase from them, uh, upon checkout, use the code OPTEN for on point 10, and that will get you 10% off your purchase. We'll save you some money there. And, uh, and just be sure to check them out. They're really fun. Um, there's different levels of subscriptions. So depending on, on what level of product you want to get, because there's one that is like a, for, for higher-end products, and there's one that's just a base entry product, which still has a bunch of cool stuff in there. You're getting it at a really discounted rate. So it, it's great. For gear junkies, you're getting stuff for a discount. You're not always going to have to go out and buy it at full quantity. Um, you're just getting it at a discount rate, and it's a great way to really run through a lot of products to see what's out there. So that is Hunter's Hall. And uh, go check them out. Um, good company, good products in, the, in their subscription boxes. I made sure they are putting good products in these boxes. So let me know what you think there. If you do subscribe, I'd, be, I'd just love to hear your feedback on that. So without any further ado, let's dive into the Blacktail episode of uh, with Wayne and Anthony. And I'm totally excited to hear your guys' feedback. So hope you enjoy, guys. Oh, <laughs> let me try, uh, make sure we're recording here. Oh, okay. wow, we're recording. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have oh. to edit some stuff out right out of the gate. What was that? You're going to have to edit some stuff out <laughs> right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. That uh, whole conversation needs to go away. This is going to be a fun podcast. It better go away. <laughs> okay, so uh, we are now live. All right. Uh, welcome to the On Point Podcast. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Anthony Maldonado. Get that uh, mic in there all nice and deep like. All right. There we go. Is that better? <laughs> That's way better. All right. So, again, <laughs> Anthony Maldonado. Um, just kind of tag along with Garrett and help him with this and his videos. I've been in a few of them. I always say I'm the star of the show, but he's not giving me credit. So I know. <laughs> what else? Oh, yeah. I, I do have a small Instagram I started. Haven't done much with it. Um, it's geared purely, actually, to traditional. I made that switch about two years ago now hmm. kind of just toyed with it at the beginning and then just took off with it i just to me it's way more fun so uh hunted with it quite a bit last year not fully uh, and this year it's going to be fully hunting with it um like when we go on our mule deer hunt i don't even know i still haven't decided <laughs> if compound's going to go right. i don't think so because i think if it's there i'll pick it up so mm. i think it might just you're not gonna fling a few sticks before you switch no, <laughs> I'm not, I, yeah, I'm not worried about the shot so much anymore. Like I'm pretty confident with it. It's just, I'd be more worried about the shot me personally than getting in the range, but it's that extra when you think about it. So if you're shooting at the range, like in your head, it doesn't sound that much more of a difference, but like you start shooting like 30 yards, it would be like max. And you're like, okay, it's 30 yards. But when you start shooting next to guys that are shooting longer distances with their compounds you realize how much mm -hmm. that actually is so hmm. but so and uh for the guys that are listening um the woman that killed the nice five point bull last year this is the husband anthony yep yeah so she, pro, she's the one that puts guide. the meat in the freezer yep. in that relationship yep i just got <laughs> i just guide and pack <laughs> there you go and then pay the taxidermy bill yeah oh speaking <laughs> of taxidermy yeah, I'm Wayne Sherrard, owner of uh, Wayne's Taxidermy, um, blacktail hunter, 
and um you know into pack goats into pack what, goats. I mean, what else is there to say <laughs> well uh i i think that we should definitely hit on the uh the aspect of the of the blacktail hunting um we can do two episodes one for the pack goat one for the blacktails um but you've got a impressive resume if you walk into your shop there what you've got on the wall boy it's been a it's been a lot of years coming you know i mean it it's not through lots of trial and error and um but a lot of foul ups <laughs> i mean when i was your guys's age i could screw them up with the best of them huh. but i think that deer hunting was better then um i really do i think it's gone down just our overall numbers and so it's you guys are you've got more of a challenge than i think i think i was able to cut my teeth in the prime and learn mm-hmm. um maybe unorthodox tactics that worked uh, just by watching because we had lots more deer i mean it was nothing to go you knew you were going to get on deer and you knew that if you fouled it up it wasn't that big of a deal because you'll probably get another one that day oh okay have another opportunity and boy it's gotten tough to do that i'm going to assume this is pre-1994 mm. and for folks that don't know what i'm talking about that's the predator hunting um where you made it really tough by taking away the dogs and the bait and all that stuff. Yeah, but you didn't really start seeing the results from it probably. I mean, the decline that I've noticed is probably, excuse me, probably happened over the last six or seven years. So, yeah, I, I've, I've seen the decline, and it, it's harder and harder to uh, get on multiple deer in a day. And also, I just think the number of um, really mature bucks is down. Yeah, and I, and that's the goal, you know. I mean, you want to shoot a mature, mature buck because y- you don't know if you shoot that little buck, and 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 it's hard for a lot of us to not do that. But if you shoot that thing, you don't know if that's that could potentially be the largest buck for the area that you're hunting. Hmm. You know, and that's the other thing too is that you know places that hold rather large deer you know maybe just genetically they generally get more pressure um so the likelihood of being able to be successful year after year after year after year starts to go downhill um you kind of got to understand that uh you know if you're hunting over here on the coast range Mm -hmm. what a good buck is the one i shot last year was a good buck yeah it was and that was only 115 well gross 119 that's just it i mean that's not a big buck but for the coast that's a with a bow, that's a dandy. That's it. Yeah. And and one of the things we've kind of learned over time, we've gotten better at, is uh, just judging them on body size. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're looking at the age. Forget the antlers. I mean, and the re- <laughs> I, I hate to say it that way because everybody wants those right. antlers, right? Right. But if you've got a five- or six-year-old deer that isn't that big antler-wise, he's got to go. Mm-hmm. You've got to take him out. You're, you're better served. You're better serving – um, future hunters, yourself, and just the overall um, dynamics of the herd and the wildlife to take out that undesirable buck, hmm. I think, you know. I've been subscribing to that mentality the last couple of years, and when we went over to Africa, I told the guide, I'm like, I want old that's not benefiting the herd, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that we're hunting good while we're here, Right, you know, like doing the right thing. And outside of the blue who was in his prime, the blue uh, wildebeest, everything was old by itself or uh needed to be taken out of the herd mm-hmm. um and and i feel better knowing that i left that place probably better than when i went there 
Now, where are you? Uh, are well, not without GPS coordinates? Uh, <laughs> east side of uh, I five, west side of I five. What are we talking about here? Both. Both. I mean, well, you talk about the track record. It isn't just the ones that I've taken. Yeah. Um, Tyler has taken some phenomenal blacktails. Jenilyn has taken some incredible blacktails. Mm-hmm. And she's she's got. You guys probably don't remember. She has four or five blacktails and the rifle with a rifle, but nonetheless, it's still an th- accomplishment. Yeah, it's yeah. Harder, I mean, I think with a rifle. Mm-hmm. Man, <laughs> I'd love to say season it's, wise. Yeah, season wise. I'd love to say it's harder, but she seems to manage every year. I mean, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm helping her. Yeah, I'm her freaking guide. That's what she's gonna tell everybody. But she has the grit to do it because I am not an easy guy to hunt with. Well, when that time <laughs> you know? comes, though, you still got to pull that trigger. You do. And mm-hmm. you got to put it where it counts, and she's doing that. And you got to know where to be looking. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to shoot a trophy buck if you just drive down the road with your arm hanging out the window looking out. <laughs> you're just not going to do Gun it. Out, beer up. I mean, you might, you but how many do you expect there? to kill? Yeah. <laughs> really? Right. I mean, you're how, just getting lucky pretty much that's is what it. you're doing. That's yeah. what it comes down to. So I, I meet me personally. I'm a, I'm an early season fan. I like hunting early season. There's just not pressure. No one else is out there. Everybody's chasing elk. Um, and granted when I, when I think I can kill an elk, I'm going after one myself, but I had that one last year, for example, after hunting all the bears, um, it was early season, it was opening day and, uh, there's just no one else out in the woods where I was at really. I mean, and that's what I found with early season is that you're getting unpressured bucks. No one really cares about a black toe when you got an 800 pound elk over there. Right. You know, that's a lot of difference in meat right there. Um, uh, but the opportunity for me for early season, I get better opportunities it probably not as big bucks, but they're still good quality bucks. So 119, for example, that's a good buck. Well, and I think the reason that you see that is because they're still in their summer feeding habits still. And so it's going to be easier to find them. They're going to be out in the open more. Right. I mean, as soon as as soon as soon September's over, they're, they're hard to find. Those suckers are going to go lay down. They ain't going to do much the whole first part of October. And... They just get very difficult to, to pinpoint. Right. And I don't care who you knows live and where. You still got to find him. And he's smart, and you're probably not going to. Right. Um, it's it's just really difficult to find that buck, that mature buck that's been through a few rodeos <laughs> during October. And then by the time November comes, you kind of better have an idea where he heads. Because he usually goes back to the same areas to look for does. So are you using gel cams to do that? I don't. Um, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I don't really hunt bucks. I have learned to hunt the does. I learned their ins and outs. Most of them don't go very far. If you're hunting in an area that's, you know, got a healthy doe population, um, they're generally going to be... One of the things I've learned is like 90% of the deer hang out on 10% of the ground. Really? And depending on the season. And if you watch deer, you know, obviously um, migratory deer are totally different than, than, you know, like let's say our valley deer. Mm -hmm. But even our valley deer are different. I mean, you'll go out. So I help guide one of the ranches here in Roseburg during the month of October. Right here out on Newton Creek. You guys probably know where it is back behind Costco there and all that. Okay. Yeah. Um, you could go in the summer and you'll see some bucks that stay on the ranch. 
But the funny thing is, is that as soon as the rut kind of kicks in, which is earlier down here than other places, it's going to be mid-October, they're gone. Hmm. And all these other bucks start coming in, and you don't even know where in the hell they've been. Where are they coming from? Are they swimming the river? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Right. Um, I don't know where they hang out. That's they are probably the most confusing to me out of all of them. These valley blacktail. These valley blacktail because you won't see them until that rut really kicks in, and then it's just like this whole town gets overloaded with them. Mm-hmm. Well, where'd they come from? Right. <laughs> I I still haven't figured it out. You you might have an idea. So you when you were a kid, and I've known <laughs> you since you were a little snot nosed kid. Yeah. You had that uh, North Bank habitat tag, right? Yeah. The youth tag. I had that three times too. Yeah. Okay. So, w- what was it like back uh, then? Mm-hmm. Back then. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's been a while. It was really nice. Um, it hadn't been going very long, so mm-hmm. we scouted it a little bit that summer. Saw a ton of nice deer. Ton of them. And then that was the year, the year of or the year after that I killed that really big five by four during general season. So my sights were set extra high because I, right. cause my first four or five years of hunting, it was just nice four point, nice four point, youth tag, nice buck, general season, nice buck. I mean, so I was getting really spoiled really fast out of the gate. Uh, I don't know if you call it luck or just or what, but it was all general season rifle tags. And so we scouted a little bit and saw a lot of nice deer. And then season came and the nicest buck we saw besides the one that was with the buck I ended up shooting was just your average three point. They were just, there was nothing. It was like just deserted up there. And it's like a November tag, right? Yeah. I think it was beginning of November, end of October. Right. And then, um, we hunted hard too, and it just we just were having a hard time. I mean, we found some forking horns and stuff, which ended up being what I shot. But that's a different story all on its own. But but what I was getting at with that was that they shut off here. You know, it's like ramped up from that second week of October for two or three weeks. They're just you you'll see a new buck, mature buck, come mm-hmm. into this ranch. Mm-hmm. and the only reason I'm using this ranch is because I've been out there six years kind of helping out, so I kind of have an idea of what's going on. You'll see new ones. They're big, For valley deer, they're big bucks, mm-hmm. and, and they've come in, and then the next day you'll never see that sucker again maybe, but there'll be another one in there, and then it just shuts off, and you're damn lucky to find a forking horn in there. It, mm-hmm. it, I don't know what goes on. Yeah, we never saw any rut activity during that hunt. Yeah, and it's like over. End of October, beginning of November. It was somewhere right in there. Right. I don't remember now, but, yeah, no road activity, none. You'd find a big group of does, there wouldn't be a buck in sight anywhere. Mm -hmm. So So you were saying uh, geographically dependent, basically. That's what I'm getting at. You want to be successful, and I don't care whether it's archery or rifle, deer hunting. You have to know what your deer do at every time of the year you you got to know when peak rut activity is you if you don't you're reducing your chances because they're not moving as well um you know where we hunt on the east side them suckers ain't even kicking off usually till after thanksgiving really we are shocked when we go back and look at some of these really nice blacktails that we've killed it's like first part of december very end of november up until then it's freaking dead Hmm. i mean we'll see some but not well, definitely not a buck that you'd want to shoot. 
Right. And if you do, you just get a glimpse of him because he's <laughs> running through. Yeah, he's chasing. Yeah. He's he's not really rutting. It's funny that you say that because thinking back through the late seasons that I've hunted, uh, usually Thanksgiving is one of the best days. And mm-hmm. then it, there's that little probably week right there that mm-hmm. really heats up. Yep. And uh, and that's all on the east side. Yep. Yeah. There's got to be something to that. There is. And I think every deer is different. The ones on the coast side – when do you generally see the best rut activity? It's during that Tioga one and two elk hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go in there, if you're in rifle hunting elk and you're in a <laughs> warehouse or in there, you see some bucks like, where in the f- is this thing hanging out? <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know? So they're there, but that's when their peak time is and we can't hunt them. Right. You know, there's no hunting going on. So the best time to hunt those, you just can't do it. So you, I think for starters, some of the key things a guy needs to learn is deer work ground certain ways. They're, if you know there's deer in there and you know a piece of ground, you should know how they're using it because they're only going to use it certain ways. You know, that'll up your odds. Knowing when peak rut activity is for the area that you're hunting is huge. And personally, I think that you need to know your does better than your bucks. Because if you don't know what they do or how they act or what their daily routines or similar thereof are, you, you're reducing your chances. Okay. I mean, if you're out there hunting bucks, you're, in my opinion, you're wasting your time during the rut, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're talking late bow season when they're when they're rutting. You need to know what your does are doing, where they're going, what kind of their routine is, so that you can increase your odds. Hmm. So West Side, I think that the Maybe, maybe this is kind of a theory, but I, I'll see uh, bucks more often in the same spot than I will on the east side. Like those east side bucks, they just seem a little bit more mountaining and traverse than, oh, yeah. than obviously the coastal. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're saying you got to figure out where your bucks are using, how would you do that on a eastern side? East, We're calling eastern bucks, not eastern Oregon, but west, east of I-5 for east folks that I-5. are wondering. I'm still paying attention to the doe groups. I'm, I'm still paying attention okay. to where most of them are um, because – there's going to come a buck show up. And, and I'll say that, you know, I've never had a personal relationship with any of these deer that I've taken on the east side. I don't know. I've never seen them before. Right. Okay. Um, there's only been one deer that I've ever seen twice uh, that I know for a fact that I've seen twice um, on that east side. Uh, I saw him during archery season. Jen and I saw him crossing a highway. And I said, Jesus, really? look at the size of that thing. I couldn't tell what he had for antlers. I could just tell it was a giant bodied deer. Hmm. So I slowed down. Obviously, you're not going to be shooting him off the highway. But I slowed down. I said, T- see if you can see him in there. He was chasing a doe. Hmm. And she just said, oh, my God. And I couldn't hmm. see past her. She's got a big old pumpkin head. You guys <laughs> met Jim. Big hair. You know, she's typical. I live one. with it every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look around it and I'm like, hey, I'm where, not contributing where, where, to this where conversation. Is he? <laughs> and he was looking over his rear end at us and yeah. I, that deer on my mouth, I just didn't even know what to say. It's it's the only blacktail I've ever seen that I know for a fact was 170 inches. Really? And that thing is giant. Yeah. I mean, that's a giant blacktail deer. That's more than once in a lifetime. So I mean, that's that's he took crazy. off, and um, I got it. Was, there was some snow, so I went around to a place where I could pull off and actually go hunt. You could hunt it, you know, mm-hmm. and caught up, found the tracks. I chased that deer all day long. I never saw him again, never saw any of them again, mm-hmm. but I stayed on the track. I thought I could catch up to him and maybe get a shot, and I never did. 
let's see, it would have been the end of December. My kid had a youth tag. This is, I'll just tell you guys, it's a rogue unit, okay? And that's where I was. And so we had hunted the first few days of it, and we saw some decent bucks. I wouldn't let her shoot any. Um, she didn't want to shoot a couple. And then one morning we come in, and I said, well, let's just look over here. This is where I saw that big giant sucker. I don't know if he's still around or not. And I shit you not, he was out there feeding. Really? Skinny down. You know, it, it's been a month since I've seen this thing. And he just, God, he was so huge. I'll never forget that deer. He just went to the sky and, and forks all the way around. Well, I got our line. He was 300 yards. And, you know, I mean, my kid is one hell of a shot. She's made pretty good long-distance shots, lots of them. So I wasn't even worried about 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was kind of feeding up the hill away from us, and she didn't have a real good shot in my opinion so i said just wait he'll he'll turn broadside and then just dump him and we got to get over there mm-hmm. anyways uh i could see that we had a snow squall coming up the canyon and i was like god come on dear turn turn i'm i'm vibrating through the binoculars i wanted i just want to touch this thing you know i didn't <laughs> even care who shot it well the snow comes in and pretty quick we have like uh you know little dinner plate size flakes you can't see this freaking deer you can't see nothing and um it turned the the snow was just there wasn't any mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden the whole ground was white and he just walked into the timber and out of our lives forever i never saw him again really so it just didn't work out but um how many years ago was that oh boy he's probably dead by now or yeah, he probably if if he's not, he'd be ancient. Because, well, God, it had to be because she was still in high school and she's done graduated college two years ago. So oh, you yeah, know, yeah, dead. I mean, it's <laughs> seven, eight years, and he was probably six or seven, yeah, he's right dead. in his prime. Yeah, and you would have heard about him getting killed. I would think mm-hmm. he was a giant. Yeah. Um. Hmm. So yeah, I, you, you know, it's it's taken a lot of years to study him. I don't really want to claim like I know it all about blacktail because I certainly don't. But I've tried lots of things. Uh, I believe that if you really, guys are into rattling deer. They're they're really into that. If you're really into rattling deer, you should be rifle hunting. Really? Because they're most receptive to it in those times. Really? I find that I can get one to turn around and take the hell off really easy in in that rut season by clicking antlers they don't like it late rifle season or what yeah you know obviously you want that last week you always Um, see that the last week if you watch facebook or anything the last week of rifle season there'll just be a string of big bucks big bucks getting Mm -hmm. killed yep and i think it's because they're always taking off i've always said and i've talked to other people about it that dead week between rifle and late bow it's like a week week and a half whatever it is I think that would would just be prime because it seems like it's starting to pick up, and then by the time bow season starts, you'll get little phases of it. But it, I bet if you could be in the woods that one week, it it'd be you awesome. Know, it probably would. Maybe yeah. that's the first cycle of the estrus for the does or something. Well, and and again, it's all different, right? Like I I've lived at my place for twenty years now. I won't see any rut rut activity until November twelfth. Hmm. it's and it is on a freaking dime every single year i don't even bother to look for them november 12th every year i'll see my first buck standing with a doe or really? chasing her yeah mm-hmm. you know it just is the way it is but like he said 
that's usually during that it's right before the archery starts up or right as as it starts up you know that week before yeah i think you could rattle them in i mean they're they're trying to establish dominance of where they want to be for this rut you know mm-hmm. they know these does are here and i'm gonna hang out here until the first one comes in and you're not getting her mm. and that's kind of i think that's when you have your best opportunity to rattle one in you wait till like getting closer to post rut and things like that I, you, you kind of reduce the chances. You, you're going to spook them more than you're going to do anything. Okay. Um, I still use antlers. I just don't rattle them hmm. generally. So I want to get into that because I, sure. I, uh, we had this conversation a while ago. I was telling him like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because I'll be out in the woods 60, 80 hours rattling, you know, total. And they'll call in maybe one or two bucks a year. And, and the ones that I know of, I'm sure there's more than that. But last year, um, Listen to your advice. I started off just barely tipping them together, and then within two minutes, and then I started working my way up into a a, more of a pronounced fight. And before I was even done, I already had a buck on top of us, like two or three minutes. And that's that one we got on video that right, yeah, (laughs) sailed it way over his back. But uh, so. I, I've been guilty in the past years of just going out there and then like I'm picturing like bucks fighting in my head and I'm clashing them together. I'm stomping and I'm, you know, hitting bushes and stuff. And and then you're like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me. Yeah. I think a lot of guys make that same mistake I do because, hell, I don't know. You know, well, and who, they, who knows? They, so. they don't. And, and a lot of guys do. They They want to go out there and they want to sound like a couple of bighorn sheep. Yeah. you know or whatever i mean and right and reality is just not that way right. you know and not it there are there are bucks that are super more aggressive than other ones generally your three to four year olds are going to be your most aggressive bucks okay um because you got to look at them a three and four year old deer is the same as um an 18 to 24 year old i don't know about you guys but i'd kick your ass someone I, <laughs> I am not kidding and and some of you guys know me i would have you know i was full of it mm-hmm. um so they're going to be the most aggressive the younger deer obviously they're a little timid they they don't well they none of them want to get their butt stomped they right. they have to they have to survive mm-hmm. so they go full on in there with the big old dude and they go getting gored up it's going to make it tough on them they know that they're not i think people underestimate the intelligence of ungulants okay you know and 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 so you've got to really think they're looking out for themselves too so the ones that are carefree to the wind are those ones that are same in that age group as like we are as men carefree to the wind, right? Mm-hmm. We're just, we're wild and we're full of it. And, and so you got to look at that. Mm-hmm. So your more mature bucks, they've been down that road. They're going to be different how they approach the call. Um, and they're probably not going to get into it because they probably don't need to. I mean, one of the best helps for me is watching these valley deer, how they react during the rut. You'll have these three-year-old bucks are generally forking horns or little crabby three points. You know what they look like. Mm -hmm. They're going at it, and they're just tearing each other up and having a ball trying to get this doe. Mm -hmm. And here comes this bigger, but I mean, he looks like a tank. He may not have a whole lot better antlers, but he's built like a Sherman tank. He comes walking in there, and what happens? Everybody gets out of his (laughs) way. They do. He mm-hmm. owns it. He doesn't have to do anything other than puff his hair up and walk in the mix. So when I noticed that, I thought, okay, well, these, these guys are different. And, you know, how am I going to 
up my odds of killing one of those. So I just started watching timing and when they would show up. And, and that has probably been the key. But it's also calling tactics. I don't, I don't usually rattle. Okay. Um, so I had you bring all the things that you would take in the woods with you if you were in that time of the year. So right. let's go over, let's go over your, your rack that you got start sitting down the, there. Okay. Yeah, let's start so there. it was funny because when I walked in the door tonight <laughs> and, and thank you, by the way, for inviting me to this is hey. fun. A good elk burgers. I mean, it's been great. Yeah. And, and Kim hasn't kicked us out yet. So it's been fun. <laughs> um, the funny thing is one of the things these guys noticed was there was a drop of blood on these antlers. So they know yeah. they obviously work and they get used. Right. <laughs> but, I said leave it to a taxidermist um, to bring the biggest black tail antlers you could find. Right. The reason. <laughs> his rattling antlers. Yeah, his rattling antlers. Oh, these little things? <laughs> yeah. So the reason I use these antlers is, uh, yeah, they're giant, but they're, they also help because I don't know how many times you guys have hit your knuckles rattling. Oh, yeah. Using little three point, but it reminds point. me of uh, hitting your shin riding a bicycle. <laughs> you know, yeah, you don't sucks, like doing especially it, especially when yeah. it's cold out. You're like, I'm not doing Absolutely. that again. Absolutely. Now you like flip them and then you're hitting them yep. backwards, and yeah. they don't sound right, and you can't do what right. you want. So I use big ones for several reasons. I don't hit my knuckles as much. <laughs> um, I can tickle them and make them sound as light as I want, mm -hmm. or if I need to get that sound out there. You know, I have the sound to do it because I have big enough yeah. set of horns, and it's going to carry out there. They're going to hear it. So <clears throat> let's talk about different times. You know, um, if first of all, if you get to a spot and you've been ultra quiet and, you know, you've done all what you're supposed to do, played the wind, you got to where you know um, some deer hanging out, one thing you don't know is where he's at, right? Unless you can see it, you don't know where he's at. Mm -hmm. So why start out? cramming these things together because he ain't gonna like it if he's just sitting there chewing his cud and then all of a sudden well bam here's a couple of big okay. boys he's gonna get up out of the bed and take off you may never even know he was there but if you just tickle it you know and just barely play with it hmm. make a couple of grunt calls you don't even have to if, if you watch those bucks a lot of times they just lock and they just kind of back and forth and they don't they, they just push each other they're not really getting too serious you know if you do that, he might be more curious, and he might get up and come and take a look. If you're not getting any response, you've been there 30 minutes, you know, make it a little louder. You know, get it out there. I usually use um, buck grunts um, during rattling. I do work the ground with the rattling antlers, and, and, I, and I like to thump the ground with the antler. Mm -hmm. sound like a hoof, mm -hmm. you know. Um, bucks that are in a serious fight, if you're trying to get really loud, <clears throat> I've only, I've only personally witnessed one set of mature bucks are really going at it and you'd have thought they was really killing each other. They had, they were vocal. Hmm. Um, they were really shoving back and forth. It was relatively loud and their, the sound they would make wasn't really like a grunt. It was more like a distress. Really? You know, they but deeper, you know, because they're bucks, you know, they're not a doe. So they'd be like, and they'd shove each other and back and forth. And it was really interesting to watch. So I've used that tactic and just use my voice and we've called bucks in. Really? I don't want to tell a bunch of secrets, but Jen, <laughs> Jen may or may not have killed a buck while I was doing that. 
Huh. And I, I couldn't believe that he came in because he came in looking to kick somebody's ass. Okay. You know, we, we, I knew there was a good buck in there because I'd found rubs and I knew there was a lot of deer in there. I didn't know what he looked like. And she ended up killing him, um, just from some. So let's techniques. go backwards a second. Okay. How are you choosing your spot? Again, it goes back to knowing the where does? the deer and the does hang out. Okay. Um, what I will do is oftentimes after season is over, mm-hmm. I'll walk a piece of ground and I'll try and find where these does are bedded at. I have also used cameras to find out where they're bedding at and they bed in relatively tight stuff. Okay. Um, like a viney maple or a reprodded. Yeah, kind of and thing. depends on where you're at. I mean, you, you find the thickest, densest stuff. They're probably in there laying down somewhere. That's where they like to lay down. Obviously, not all times of the year is it like that. They'll they'll lay out in the middle of a clear cut. Of course, so we've all seen them. Right. But as it comes closer to rut, they like to do their activities behind closed doors, so to speak. So they're gonna choose areas like that more, and they're gonna bed closer to where they're doing this thing. I like to refer to it as a transition area so they're going to be in thick stuff they're going to come out into a t- i usually hunt timber mostly timber okay. okay i don't you can lay out in a clear cut if you want but you're going to get caught there's no reason for them to come all the way up to you if they right can see. they can see mm-hmm. so um one of the things we like to do is tuck tight to the the tight cover okay so that we can see the transition area which is where it starts to open up Mm-hmm. And they're going from bedding to feeding. That's pretty much what deer do. They go from bedding to feeding. Um, if you know there's a lot of deer in that area and they're bedding here, you want to hunt as tight to that bedding area as you can. That's what I do. That's what we do. We we try and suck right up to it. Mm-hmm. You obviously can't get in it because you're never going to get a shot, number one. And they're probably going to step on you. They're going to get so close that you're going to get busted. Okay. Then you might get busted anyway. I mean, they're, the other thing people need to do is they really need to do the research on deer and, 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 and go and read deer studies. So you know how a deer, what a deer sees. Um, without knowing that, you're going to get busted nine times out of ten. Um, deer can only see 3D if they're looking down their nose. Mm-hmm. Everything else is two-dimensional. That's why they pick it up. So if you're reading a book, if old Anthony's over here reading his favorite Cosmopolitan... <laughs> And I whip my hand in front of the page, he's going to see me do that. Mm-hmm. So that's why they pick up movement so easy because everything's two-dimensional. So any movement is right now. I mean, they they pick right up on see it. see that a lot. Like, even if you're not moving, you could have not moved. And I've had this happen to me. You haven't moved in two minutes, and all of a sudden they'll just be staring at you. You're like, how? How can you? There's no way. And then they start wheezing or blowing and gone. Right. You're like, but there Ow. is a way because he's probably walked past the spot a million times. That's, I mean, do you think I could curl up in your living room and just sit there and, and camo not be noticed and yeah. not be noticed? And that's what got explained <laughs> to me. It was like, he lives there mm-hmm. and I've seen not so much deer, but elk do it a ton. You'll be completely stationary and they'll come walking by, not even looking at you. And also they'll whip their head around and just stare at you. It's because they know that you, they might not know what you are. But right. they know you don't belong and you weren't there mm-hmm. yesterday. That's right. So what are you? And That's a good point. So a good way to combat things like that is any of your low-lying, like fur, uh, not furs, but cedars are great. Furs are too. But if you can get them where the branches are sweeping the ground and mm-hmm. you can tuck yourself in there but still give yourself a few shooting lanes, mm-hmm. 
harder for them to see you. Uh, another big rule of, of thumb for me, like I take guys that don't kill a lot of deer with a bow. I'm like, you're not moving if they're not moving. You're not. If they're walking, you're moving. You're 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 going to get ready for the shot. If he's standing still, you don't freaking move. You don't even breathe, mm-hmm. and don't look at him. That's another thing. Um, and maybe maybe there's nothing to it, but I have you just my personal belief is like if you stare at him and stare at him, he's gonna know. He's gonna feel it, and maybe he doesn't. But I we got to remember something to that. They're a lot more in tune to everything than we are as humans. Yeah. We're spoiled. Well, right? you, you ever get those feelings like someone's watching me? You know, like that's where the hair stands up on the back of your neck. I mean, maybe they have that intuition as well. I mean, they I think there's do. definitely something to that because. I mean, same thing you guys. I mean, like, how the heck did that deer know I was there? Wind's good, you know, and then it's just that intuition, and I'm staring at him, you know. Like, I think you're just sending vibes or something. I don't know. It's not like a hippie or something. But I I do think that there is something about actually maybe just look out of of your peripherals. I don't know. I mean, this is all – well, this is all unprovable, really. Sure, it is. It, I mean, you're you're never gonna know until you get a deer in here on the podcast, and he's like, "Yeah, you guys are you guys are so stupid." You, to <laughs> you know, but um, you know, it, there's a lot of ways you can you can hide yourself, and you should really be looking. That's the first thing that you're looking for when you go into the spot you want to hunt. Is where am I gonna set up? Right. You know, okay. guys use ground blinds. I've used them. Um, not really that successfully just because I, I have a tough time sitting forever um tree stands suck i don't <laughs> i don't want to do that so i hunt on the ground and i hunt them a lot like maybe you would a coyote right if i if there's a piece of ground i really want to hunt i will sit and i'll do some calls and again i'm not rattling usually this is later right so i'm not using these as much and then if i don't get any activity i might go 200 yards as silently as i can and i'll set up again how long are you calling for when you uh, get a call set up well just depends on the weather as long as you can stand it usually about 45 minutes i i'm but you know the funny thing is is all of the deer that um tyler and i have killed we've called them in within maybe 10 minutes of -hmm. sitting there uh he shot one two years ago i swear we we I barely even did anything, mm-hmm. and I heard his bow go off, and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so I don't know if he was coming yeah. or if he was just laying down over there. And he has a favorite spot that I friggin' hate, but it's a pine thicket, and he loves that. He loves to hunt that thing, and it's it's like the last place. I don't know, the place is lame. It sucks. It's so thick and blah, blah, and mm-hmm. you can get busted too easy. But he's... Killed a couple. A couple of his bucks have come out of that, and it's a really nice place. And there's always deer in it, and you're not going to see them unless you get in there with them. Really? You know, you, your shots are going to be 20 yards tops. You know, you, you just you won't get a shot because there's too much stuff in the way. But um, we we've seen some studs in there. You know, we just haven't. You don't always get a shot. You may call a deer in, and you may not get a shot. Hell, he may even come up behind you. You just right. don't know. Um, I've had them come all kinds of ways. Sometimes they come running, and they'll run right past you, and there ain't no grunt, rattle, nothing you can do to stop them. They just keep going. I had that happen one um, time. Yeah. But you have to remember, it's just like they're just like calling elk. When you call to this critter, he's looking for something. He's looking for that deer. And when he gets to the spot, 
and the deer ain't there, now it's critical. Because any false movement, he's going to know instantly, well, that ain't a freaking deer, and I'm out of here. You ever use decoys or anything like that? I have, and I've used them successfully, but probably more often than not, what I found is that they spook at them. Um, because I've only used like your, um, the, like the Montana two dimensional. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden there's no deer and he's looking, <laughs> he's looking. And then all of a sudden there's a deer and it's spooked him. <laughs> but I've also had him come walking right up to it. Hmm. Um, I have not had a big buck sucker for one yet. Hmm. Not like I would expect. They've usually been young ones. And, and, and. You know, if you let them go and keep coming, they're going to spook because they're going to realize it ain't real. Right. So, um, anyways, let's go to, so antlers are good for a lot of purposes. Let's just go back to that. You know, the bigger antlers you have, like, and I'm not talking about a 30-inch mule deer, mm -hmm. but something heavy like this. What do you guys think this thing is? Pushing 140s probably? Uh, yeah. You know? I put them up um, to Kim's buck downstairs, which grows 125. Which this side and it had it, that one, it had everything. I mean, that's got to be a one forty. Yeah, I guess I'm at one forty. I mean, it's just sheds, but he's got to be close. So something in that he's hefty. He doesn't have huge tines. You know, this isn't like a. This is this is a perfect set of rattling antlers, in my opinion. Out of all the sheds I've collected, these are the ones that I constant consistently go out with. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you can use them to make you know rapping sounds on the ground, mm -hmm. rustle leaves. There's a lot of good uses, and they're big enough that you can reach out there and do it. Right. You know, those not, are in really good shape. Not to interrupt you, but those are in really good shape. You're not going out and you're finding these half-eaten, you know, squirrel food antlers. You're finding ones that are in good condition. Right. That can handle the abuse. That probably still sound accurate. They're still dense. Right. Okay. I yeah. Just you make don't. Sure you don't want going to... out and finding a big old shed and thinking that's going to be the one. Well, not if it has raccoon or you know bite marks taken out of it. Right. If it's chalky and cracked. Yeah. It's not going to sound the same. Right. It, it has to have this hard sheen still to it. Kind of the gloss know? kind of thing. Right, yeah. It. If they're kind of glossy like this. or This yeah. one obviously isn't brown anymore, probably yeah. laid out there a year, but it still has the shine to it, Yeah. you know, so it's still okay. And uh, and I also use it because it's a match set. Yeah. I mean, even if it isn't the same year, it's a match. It's the same deer. We know that. Yeah. So I was looking at it downstairs, and it's definitely really. Grew. Even this eye guard, the, yeah. the way it's bladed yeah, out a little yeah. bit and. And these are really deer. these are really cool. These are special to me because my dog found them. Oh, really? Yeah. And then he got run over. So uh. <laughs> you know he was a great shed dog. And and when he picked this one up, th this was the first one we found or he found. Um, I saw the the white and I said, "Hey, fetch the antler." And he saw it instantly. Ran right over to it. And when he came up with it, I, we, Jen and I were like, oh, my God, because you know what kind of dogs I got. This is pretty big for a little it's, healer yeah. to pick up. So, um, uh, You ever use fake antlers or anything besides that? I, I have tried the rattle bags in my youth. You know, I'm, I'm a big guy. I am just not an advocate of a lot of things. I mean, I'm not saying they won't work, and people have mm -hmm. had success with them, but – they still want you to buy your their product. Why? I found it. Mm -hmm. Didn't cost me nothing. I had an enjoyable day the day I found it, and I don't need a rattle bag. I got the real deal. Okay, it's real. So I strap them to a pack and I go. I guess why substitute if you have the real thing? That's it. I well, mean, I've used rattle bags, and to me, the one I was using, I can tell the difference. It didn't sound right to me. Oh no! And if it doesn't sound right to me, and I'm no mm -hmm. deer expert, so mm -hmm. if it doesn't sound right to me, 
there's no way it sounds a deer's like gonna know. Yeah, they're gonna know. You might get lucky and call no. a two year old deer. That's, that's it. So curious, he doesn't know which way's up. Well, if they so, haven't really had a whole lot of life experiences, they're gonna be easier and more susceptible to fall for things. I mean, they're just young that you you know, and that's why I choose to hunt mature bucks because again, it's like uh, you're kind of picking on a toddler, right? He just hasn't had the time to really know. And the other thing that you don't know is. Okay, he's a fork and horn or a little three-point Baskerac three-point as a two- or three-year-old. Well, what's he going to look like at six? Because they put on unbelievable amounts of bone as they age. I mean, they it, if we have good springs, there's there's no reason a, a deer can't grow 40 to 60 inches in a year. Well, look at which that. Which is buck. a lot. I mean, I mean yeah. that is a pretty good growth. <coughs> oh, God, right he's there. huge. He's uh, It's just, yeah. it's, it's. This is one year apart. I just want to make sure we got that thing on camera because that thing is really impressive. Yeah. You know, he's one year apart. He, I wouldn't say he grew no 50, 60 inches, but he definitely grew. Well, just um, in mass. Yeah. Just in mass. Turn him, turn him sideways there. That's a killer buck, man. It is. You know, I never, I never have um, seen this deer. Um, we were hoping that we would find him or something like that last year. But Jen decided that that funky looking three point was what she wanted, <laughs> Really? which, Hey, you know what? I'll tell you, that's another thing I'll tell you guys. If your lady wants to shoot something, let her do it. Cause mm-hmm. it's going to keep her interested. If you really want her to be involved, it, it doesn't matter. You know, um, we argued back and forth. He was, a, she just turned around and said, Hey, I thought you said we can shoot mature bucks. And she was damn right. He needed mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. And so I had no argument. I've had that uh, kind of the opposite issue because Kim is like, if I can't see horns, I'm not going to shoot. I'm like, well, babe, we're shooting four or five hundred yards. I mean, that's going to be a heck of a buck. And that one downstairs, I'm like, you know, I basically got the gun on it and everything, and and she she was shooting prone, so she got behind the right shake. I can see antlers. I'm like, the the shoot it, you know, like I right. knew how big it was. I'm like, good, good, you know, yeah. And then she's that a good buck. Yeah, that's all right, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> try not to get her. And then my dad pulls up his binos and the oh my god, there's horns everywhere. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> you you can get them uh, all crazed too. Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> so that's. What I guess I, I used to be hard to hunt with. Shelby said. Oh, uh, I used to be. <laughs> I've gotten better. To, so well, you may have her first year. I I was smoke blown out the ears, just <laughs> about to <laughs> pop through the ceiling, because. The year before, she hadn't had any success, and she actually missed a really nice buck. I think that was that year. But anyways. Rifle? Rifle. And then um, it's when I went and worked in the oil field. So we had a brief window of time that we could hunt, and then I was going to be gone the entire season. Mm -hmm. So. um, You were on a mission, and she wasn't. Yeah, well, she (laughs) wanted to get one, but to me, it was more important to get her one because I knew going into another year of no success would kind of maybe put her on the downhill to, well, this isn't even fun, you know? Mm-hmm. So we went out one night when I got off work and very little time to go, but I said, let's just go a hundred miles an hour out there. We'll get out there. We'll have like an hour. So we go and we walked this old skid road that kind of takes you through a unit. Didn't even see a deer, which was weird for that spot. So I'm like, okay, so let's head back to the truck and we're coming back up and I spotted a deer and I'm looking at it, looking at it, it finally picks its head up and it's a little fork and horn. Well, she debates with me what he even is. Like, that's not a fork and horn. I'm like, yes, it's like 70 yards. I'm like, yes, it is. Just And it's perfect angle, slightly quartered away from us. I'm like, 
just shoot him. Trust me and just shoot him. But she didn't. Okay. Which, looking back at it now, that was responsible of her because even though I was saying yes, she didn't confirm it herself. So she let him walk away. So sure. he, he takes off up the hill eventually. So now my head's spinning in circles because it's like, there's no way it's going to happen now. Well, the road loops way up and around. And I'm 20, 30 yards ahead of her because I'm just kind of walking. And I just happen to look down to my right, and that buck's standing there again, just 50, 60 yards, just looking at me. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I get her up there, and she's like, well, I can't see him. I can't see him. And I'm looking at the gun, and I'm looking at the deer. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I grabbed the gun, and I moved it over. I'm like, he's over here. He's not over there. <laughs> and she ended up shooting him, and it was a perfect shot. And that was her first buck, and it's kind of been that way ever since i mean this year when i told her because we're going on a mule deer trip instead of an elk trip Mm -hmm. and she shot that bull last year (laughs) and when i first told her like our main focus this year is gonna be mule deer she was like okay and i'm like (laughs) no you'll have fun trust me but because with that that was that was her first elk trip and it was 45 minutes that was the third bull i called in and he came in three times Mm -hmm. and they were screaming we're not talking like just kind of called him in we're talking at one point i was watching this tree just whip back and forth because he's right there just beating the crap out of that tree and so she got the full meal deal like that so in a in an easy easy area slight downhill pack quarter mile yeah perfect well i'll tell you what i don't get you guys and say whatever you want about shelby but she's got to be in my top five of lady hunters (laughs) like if i had a top five of you can have tiffany and all of the super fancy ones, Shelby. Only because She's I've known public land only us. because I've known these two since they were littles. Right, right, right. She has she has stuck with it, and not very many women will be that diehard and stick with archery hunting. It's not easy. Right. Yeah, she's you know. When I got she, respect for her was when we started shooting three D together. And uh, she never shot from the girl sticks. She never even thought about it. They might mm-hmm. as well not even exist. She always shot from the same sticks we were. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that she beats a lot of guys. She beats too. a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. I believe that. She's a like, especially when well, we go to. She's going to have to work her way onto the show because people have heard about her twice now. Well, she's, you do these she's shoots. Definitely, she's definitely a different breed of woman. She's highly intelligent and she's not a quitter. <laughs> so you, you, you got. I think that. Ar- the archery was a perfect challenge for that type of gal yeah. because it's a lot like golf. I mean, don't ever <laughs> let her play golf or your ass will never hunt again. But, you know, she she really has glommed onto it and done really well. So I'm pretty proud of her for it. I think it's pretty cool. And yeah. she was really excited to kill that bull. She so, really was. She was really excited because they went back to go get the packs or something like that. And so her and I are skinning and, uh, and basically prepping my buddy's bull. And uh, she's like, that's this muscle. That's that muscle. I'm like, I'm learning more than I ever did about elk in my life. Like <laughs> muscle groups. I'm like, cool, you know, hold the leg. <laughs> right. so, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, but yeah, she, I mean, we're going to have her on the show because she's, she's, yeah, she's hardcore down to pack, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you put in her pack, she won't say a word. Yeah. I think she, and she will hike. I think she carried the back straps out of her bull, mm-hmm. which is a lot of meat. You know I mean? That's not. It's not, it's not like it weighed 15 pounds, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Don't let my kid hear this because she would be like, what? <laughs> they only have to carry back straps? I put whatever. I'm like, can you walk? Yeah. Good enough. Keep Go. Going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. It's like uh, my dad's elk this year. Uh, I oh, took, God. Yeah. Oh, I heard hard... that was a total catastrophe. Oh, my gosh. That was horrible. But I... <laughs> 
That's on a my podcast in itself. Yeah, my the first pack out <laughs> after I broke it down, one hundred percent half of an elk. And my dad's a butcher, so you know there was nothing on that half. Right. Put it in my pack and walked out of there. And it was like this: we tied ropes off. If there, if it wouldn't have been for the ropes, I wouldn't have been able to now, do it. But you should, you should really tell people how big these, how how heavy your pack, because this is a Roosevelt. Oh, oh God! Yeah, and you had I, two, I don't know. Was it two quarters? Two yeah, meters? I had the the front and the rear. Oh yeah, that's what I everything off the side, everything off the neck, and one back strap. When I stood up, my legs were just instant shaking. Oh, yeah. I'm like, but my dad was done. He was done. Well, dude, he ain't no spring chicken either. No, so no. it's like I've got to get. Because I knew on the second trip he was coming with me, so it's like I've mm-hmm. got to be able to carry as much on that second trip too, and I did. It was I was hurting for two three days. After yeah, we're kind of getting off topic with the elk, but I'll tell you what, folks, <laughs> a Roosevelt elk, it, it will change your mind about even what an elk really one. is. Even a spike, yeah, yep, they're it's, big, they're unbelievable. Big. My brother-in-law's from Missouri. He comes out every once in a while <laughs> to hunt. He'd hunted Wyoming, Colorado. Uh-huh. The first bull he saw, we were in Warehouser there, and we were actually driving down the 8500 road. I don't know. We were going somewhere, and this five-point bull, and he was a dang nice bull. He wasn't huge, but he was a nice one. He stand, He's standing in the road, and he's like, what the hell is that? It's a horse. And I'm like, that's a bull, dude. I said, man, let's figure this thing out. And, you know, obviously he took off, but Mm -hmm. he's like, I have, I just can't, I've never seen an elk like that. He just couldn't get over it. Well, later that day we call in a little raghorn four point, (laughs) much smaller bull. And he, he just couldn't even get over the size. Hmm. He just couldn't even get a shot. He was just so flabbergasted by the size. They're giant. They're giant. That last spike bull I shot. I mean, he was bigger than the lead cow. I mean, mm-hmm. he was – I don't know why they he wasn't a be. bigger bull. I mean, he should have had more bone on his head, I think. Or he had really good – he'd been eaten or something. Because he was seriously – it took two trips with two guys to get him out of there. I mean, I was thinking, oh, we're going to oh, get him yeah. in one trip. We get down to him like, this is way bigger than I thought he'd be. It's I've, just silly how, thing, how big those things can get. I've never killed any other kind of elk, so I just don't <sighs> even think about it anymore. I already know. Those Rockies the, are smaller for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. I've so, seen them, but I've never killed them. Well, we're on blacktail, so let's get back okay, to your Okay, so let's tail. do it. Are, so, do you got any more stuff to go over for your horns? Or Yeah, but it goes in conjunction with some other stuff, okay. so I'll, I'll get back to them. But okay. I brought, like, three different grunt calls. Um, I'll tell you guys. You can you you can just go pick a grunt call and it's probably gonna work. Hmm. You know, if you're doing it right, right time of year, you'll get the sound. They're all pretty close to the same. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that uh what's that one? God, I have it too and I was looking for it and I didn't bring it, but it's a primos. God, I can't remember is the name green? of it. It's green. It's like a big humdinger. Does a it buck have the, roar. Buck say, roar. Does it have the little wheeze thing on the it side? It does. Oh, it's I called have, a, I have one it's of those somewhere. A, it's called a buck roar. buck roar. And it sounds like the froggiest dude on the planet. <laughs> I have had some success with it, but it's always kind of a laugh because I'll always have it in my pocket. And Tyler's like, don't even think about it. Because <laughs> normally it turns them inside out. It's pretty, it's pretty brutal. You like know, a, is it like a hoochie just, mama of, of buck hunting? Or well, I mean, it's it's no different than one of these, only it's big and, and it just has a deep, you know, like, huh. I don't know. Maybe. What do you got there? So this one is a uh, who knows what, I don't know. <laughs> so um, these aren't geared towards, because there are some out there that are geared towards 
blacktails. Because I'm gonna tell you guys right now, that's all BS. If it says blacktail mule deer on it, that's just they're selling marketing. the same thing it's in a white. Marketing. Yeah, it's a marketing thing. It doesn't matter. Hmm. This one has a snort wheeze on it. Okay. Um, if you've ever hear heard deer snort wheeze, it's pretty rare that you hear them do it, and they're pretty damn agitated if they're doing it. Hmm. Um, I never use it. But if I bust a deer and they blow at me, these are great. You can blow back. And it does actually give them a little sense of relief, like, oh, maybe that was another deer. Okay. You know what I mean? So that's why sometimes I have – I just brought this because I have used it before. And every single one of these I've had success with, Every, and that's why I brought it. So but, that's my oh, crap grunt, basically. Like, oh, I, j- I just got busted. I might as well try something. I had an instance where I was hunting with a guy – um, we'd been there maybe five minutes. I'd called a buck in. I heard him blow and take off mm-hmm. and I blew back and he blew again, but he stayed there. And I was thinking, Oh my God, this dumbass might come back, <laughs> but he didn't. Okay. doesn't matter. But I stopped him for that little brief second. Like, well, wait a minute. Maybe it wasn't what I thought he, th- he got caught moving Oh, and I didn't, I couldn't see the deer. I could only see him, so I'm going off of his mannerisms. Like, I didn't even know the deer was coming. It was, man, there was a lot of snow. I couldn't hear it. Mm -hmm. Um, We were in some really tight stuff. I had done a sequence that I do a lot. Um, Didn't, the only way I use the antler. So, basically, what I did was I did a tending grunt. And um, I'm a little different with these, uh, these can calls. You guys, when you buy them, there's a little sticker on the back. You can see mine don't have one. Yeah, right. it's got a hole. There. So the sticker's removable, so when it's in your pocket, if you're walking, it doesn't make the, it doesn't do, okay. right? It doesn't do that. I don't like to do that anyway, um, because I've listened to a lot of does, and they don't sound like that. No, they don't. It, they, they don't hardly ever make a sound anyway, but I when they do. I hear them blow because they're running 100 miles. <laughs> right, right. That's, I understand. Trust me. <laughs> So I'll usually have two or three of these little things in my pocket because what you'll find is that if you do it, the method I'm going to show here, you will get condensation buildup in there and then they won't work at all. Okay. Um, so I usually have a couple, especially if I'm going to sit for a while and let this one, put this one back and let it dry out. Right. Okay. So, um, I blow through them and I'm going to try and do this and not screw it up. And it's just that you'll hopefully it'll pick it up but it's faint and it's a lot shorter so you didn't make this modification outside of taking the sticker off that's all you got to do just take the sticker off. all you got to do okay and i learned this trick years ago probably when these first came out it was one of the first things i learned about it i was like why do they have a sticker on there <laughs> oh it's so so okay. i asked a guy at the sportsman show primos guys used to come remember to waldron's oh yeah this is before i even worked at waldron's all right so before i was an archery technician so they would come and, and they would, you know, they'd have a huge Primos display of stuff and mm-hmm. then there'd be a, a pro staff guy. And I said, so what's the sticker deal? And he's like, oh, so it doesn't make noise in your pocket. And I said, well, you know how much better it is when you blow through this thing? You can really get the deer to come. And he's like, well, it doesn't even work. I'm like, what do you mean it won't work? He goes, it won't work. And I was like, <laughs> well, let me see it. And I ripped the sticker off and blew through it. Just uh-huh. totally embarrassed. It pissed him off. I didn't mean to, but I was trying to show him that, you get a better sound mm-hmm. if you don't do this, <laughs> right? And people do that. You have a, you can screw it up. Okay. So I'll just lightly 
lightly blow through it. Anthony, I know is better at this than I am, and I should have him do <laughs> you know, it. No, I, I think he's going to be better at the next one. We but get. I think you need for Anthony, you need the great big can. This is the little bitty can. So that's I why wasn't I was going to go there. I was uh, not going to oh, go there. We are opening well, the box. Oh, I'm going to go there. <laughs> Garrett's having fun, but I'm going to get him later too. Oh man, bring it. So very, very lightly blow through this and try and put a little waver when you do it. I mean, anybody who can work a turkey call can do this. Okay. So, that's all I'll do. That's it? It's barely like that. Sometimes I put a little more waiver. Short. That's it. I don't make any more noise. Really? And I'll sit there and I'll wait a few minutes, and then I might do a tending grunt, something like... That's it. And that's it. And then I'll wait. How and long? I'm, I'm 10, 15 minutes. And then you'll do it all over again? Or do what? it all over again. And sometimes while I'm doing that, I will take an antler because, again, we like to hunt tight to the thick. And usually the collar is – we hunt them a lot like you, you're going to hunt an elk. You know, I'm not going to sit in your lap and call. I'm not going to have Anthony right here on top of me. You know, I'm going to have him out there a little bit hidden. And I'm over here calling. So to divert the, the sound to the guy that isn't doing the shooting, and hopefully he's paying attention to me and not the shooter, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll take this antler at the same time. I don't care how small or big a buck is. When they're in tight cover, their antlers are ticking stuff. If you listen, you'll hear it. They do pretty good at dropping their head and laying them back and going through them, but mm -hmm. this is still hitting stuff. The only reason they don't go through there like this is why. What would happen? Get they get hung up on everything, so they tilt their head back. So I'll take it and just mimic that and just lightly drag it like he's walking through there. And I'll tell you what, that combination right there has been deadly. So Just what I just did. Very simple. So you just like against a viney maple or a cedar bough or Anything that I'm brush. sitting under. I'll just fern lightly drag it okay. just enough to make noise and it it gives the appearance that that's really a deer you know what i mean he just grunted now i hear his antlers ticking they can tell they can tell that a branch is hitting this yeah and and i heard a doe but i barely heard her because that's what you that's how they right. sound i've had them right there outside a ground blind do it okay and you can't hardly hear them so Tell me why we need a great big can <laughs> to make this loud, obnoxious goat sound. Hell, I may as well take one of my goats out there, <laughs> honestly. So that's all I do with that is I lightly blow through it. It's super short, super quiet, and honestly, it's worked. And it's been working for so a lot of years. Here's a question for you. What is a good call ratio for success and not success as far as actually getting a buck to come in? How often are you having this happen? Oh boy, it depends. You know, it just like you think maybe once a day, twice a day, you're getting bucks. No, I I couldn't. You could you could probably I would say that we're probably at thirty five or forty percent of our setups. Really, which that isn't often. which isn't bad. That's more than I thought. Because if you I know, do five setups a day, that means I'm probably going to get a deer, whether I know it or not, to come in. Yeah, and why I say that right. is because half the time. You'll turn around, oh, crap, I'm busted, yep. or, you know, or whatever, mm -hmm. or I should have waited an extra five minutes. Or... Yeah, because you're never really sure where he's going to come from. Yeah. Your, your best game is to try and play the wind and try and make sure that, you know, there's spots that we love to hunt. We won't go in there if the wind isn't right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's the point? Right. You're never going to do any good. If 
you pick your spots. You know how the deer are traveling and how they work that piece of ground. Uh If the wind isn't good, stay out of there. There's going to be another day. And the reason I say 35 to 40% is because some days you won't call in a deer that you know of, right? right? And then the next day, you might call one in at every spot, but they all might be little dudes. Right. You just don't know. I mean, well, big bucks. Okay, time of day. That's a great question. So best success I've found, um, I have a theory. When everybody's going to eat lunch, I'm going to hunt. You know, yeah, I just see, had this conversation with the born and raised guys. When yeah. I eat SpaghettiOs is when they're killing bulls. Yeah, <laughs> see, and for late season deer and elk, I stopped not hunting during the day. Because, well, like that Roosevelt last year, um, it was one thirty in the afternoon. It was 100 degrees, and he mm. was screaming at me. Everyone else, or I shouldn't say everyone else, majority of people and myself two years ago, would have been camp. at camp myself, yeah. you know, because it's so hot. You don't think anything. Well, those deer, those elk, they're still, they're still there somewhere. They can't. Mm-hmm. They don't just vanish. I mean, it right. seems like it someday, especially blacktails. But well, it doesn't take as much to hide one either. But um, I my, I think my timeline is somewhere between two thirty and four has been really all of my I mean, keep in all mind of this my time biggest of the year i say this time of year it's, it's getting dark at 4 30 yeah five o'clock right. in the timber i mean you're probably oh, yeah. done hunting at 4 well the biggest buck i killed I, it was it was like 3 30 by the time i found him oh, it was dark. by the time we took pictures it was you could just barely see that little bit of blue <laughs> light up there yeah through the timber i mean yeah, I, yeah they're they're moving closer to I, I think they like to move closer to dark um well, that's when they move probably uh, naturally in. You guys got to know that if you've been up in the hunting woods and you're going home at, in the dark, a lot of the bucks you see are right there when you're done hunting and you're right. going home. It, it's not at 1 o'clock in the morning. It's right when you're leaving. Now all of a sudden they're jumping across the road and they're going here and they're going there. Well, they've been moving through that timber to get there. They've already been moving probably for an hour. You just weren't in the right spot to catch them. Right. Um, hmm. We have had some morning success, but not... I mean, just not as much. Um, I do believe hunting that first that first part of the morning, up until maybe ten. Yeah, I was gonna say nine thirties when. Yeah, and then you, then you have your lunch. You know, have a brunch or whatever you, the hell you call it. You know, and then you need to be back out there at noon and and really putting in work. Uh, weather, uh, rain, snow. You're yeah. hunting elevations where you get snow, right? Yes. Um, How important sometimes. Is that? Um. It can be important because if you're hunting migratory deer, mm-hmm. snow can be really important, Gets obviously, right? Yeah. It's going to push them down. Mm-hmm. Um, snow lines are great places to, to hunt deer. I mean, somewhere between that 6 to, to 12 inches, mm-hmm. they seem to hang in there. They don't want it deeper than that if they don't have to. But big cascade blacktails can buck a hell of a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And also... Remember what you see on the road. Oh my God! There's three foot of snow. There ain't three foot of snow in that timber. Yeah, mm. there isn't, and they're gonna be in there still. So, um, there's been places where, you know, the the trucks would stop because they didn't want to go any further, mm-hmm. and we would park and hike, get into the timber, and because you could keep going, you didn't have to walk in belly deep snow. Really? And we've had some success. We haven't killed them, but we've seen them in there. They're still in there. You know, they're, some of those bucks just don't come all the way out of it. That's probably bigger mature bucks 
bigger you know yeah they're going to be those big um wilderness type bucks that you just don't hardly ever see so a lot of people bench leg yeah, would that come into term there I, I hate that. I, I, I do too. <laughs> I just, you know, I mean, I'm so mad that they won't put those in a record book as a different subspecies. I mean, it's a deer. I don't care what it's crossed with. It, it, it's its own. Right. And, and it's a, sp- you know, I'm glad you brought it up. It's the beauty of Oregon because you can hunt. Um, some people don't know this. You can actually kill blacktail bucks in the sand dunes. Okay. That's a whole nother different blacktail buck. He ain't like the one in the coastal mountains that's not like the one in the valley that's not like the one in the cascades so we got different subspecies of deer and that's kind of been my goal is to shoot what i think is a trophy deer from each one of those places and i've damn near done it Mm -hmm. i've just about done it the only thing i've never done is killed one of these uh local valley blacktail bucks not a good one really never have (laughs) no really well a lot of it's landlocked it is it's 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 private private land you you know i've skinned a million of them i've watched guys kill a million of them i just never have done it really? um not a good one you know i've shot a couple that would you, you know? consider that one over there a good one yeah that's a good it's an 18 you know, inch well yeah. it was when it when it was shot now it's I, not. I would shoot that sucker here you bet mm. yeah um, well that's not a valley black though <laughs> well, but there's ones like but that, that i've seen plenty of those around sure here. yeah i mean i shouldn't say probably three or four a year so this is another really cool. These guys flipped out when they saw this tonight. This, <laughs> this is, is Anthony's call. I've this never is seen Anthony. this contraption, actually. Thank you very much. It's actually, it's called a bow grunter. And um, obviously from Google search, you can yeah. still get one. What would you say? They were 17 bucks yeah, or something? Yeah, on Amazon. But just okay. Google bow grunter. They'll yeah. pull up. It's a great tool if you're hunting by yourself. Uh-huh. If you don't have somebody to call for you, because it, obviously you see it has little pins. You can pin it to your deal. You can have it any way you want. You can pull it. It's just like any other grunt tube, only you suck on the rubber. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm Moldy. Moldy. Yeah. Sucking rubber. You know what we're talking about. <laughs> so it's a really cool deal. You just um, clip it on however, you know, you can set it up different ways. Um, and then you just... It's. I think it's cool. It's been great for me when I've hunted by myself, um, and that way you're kind of hands free. A lot of us that have called deer in, y- you dang well know that nine times out of ten they call when you got all your junk in your hand, and you ain't on the bow. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've got a set of antlers in your hand, you've got a doe bleat, or you've got a buck grunt, and and it's just not conducive to put all this shit down and grab your bow. It just and so you you end up not getting doing any good. So I really like this bow grunter, um, and I think it's just something at it, seventeen bucks. I mean, you're probably gonna pay what twelve bucks for one of these anyway. It's, it's not gonna hurt. Go buy one, right? You know, just have it just in case you're gonna hunt by yourself. Um, I think it sounds good too. I mean, why, oh, it does. Why wouldn't no, you have I, one of those on you? And if I'm the I shooter, don't know. I want something. I mean, I'll just probably whistle a grunt at it anyways. But right, that's way more realistic. I mean. Oh yeah, it. You know, the I I wouldn't not have it after when I saw it when I first saw it I was like well that's a great idea and then I got mm-hmm. it and I've used it and I just wouldn't not have it if I was hunting alone. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a great tool. So um, out of all my grunt calls, the one I use most is Larry Jones grunt call. I mean, everybody knows who he is. He's a traditional hunter. You oh. wouldn't understand. Jesus. Oh, God. Here <laughs> we go. Um, 
but I, I don't know why I use it more than any of the, I don't, I don't want to say that it sounds better or, or it's been any more. It, it has just as much of a selector on the, you know, on when you break them apart, you know, you can kind of. Well, oh, just, wow, it's got a bunch of things. I just there. busted the so, – so this one no longer works. If anybody but, wants it. <laughs> <laughs> this um, one's only twelve ninety five. Yeah, now, now it's 5 I have this for <laughs> sale if anybody <laughs> – oh, <laughs> but, geez. you know, you can select them, and that's something else you want to play with. You know, dominant buck probably isn't a great one. You want to use a young buck sound nine times out of ten. It's okay. usually better. That's a good tip. There. But, you know, I've, I've used dominant buck grunts too, and, and they work just – I was – trying to see what it was on but it busted so i'm going to look at this one and see what i have so this one i have set up for a dominant buck it's all the way up there huh Um, it's not a good podcast unless you break something well yeah i mean and it's just an (laughs) o-ring i mean i'll probably have one of those at home you can slide a new o-ring on it so luckily that's all it was right probably Um, go to walmart on the way home and find those i'll probably throw it out on the interstate and let some (laughs) kid pick it up but um so it never hurts to have several of these Um, okay and and I, I again I don't think that one's better than the other because I really haven't found one that that brings more deer than the other one. So it's it probably the user doesn't. more than the. So do you? Because I know the general area you hunt, but that's neither here nor there. Other than I know how the land's kind of laid out. Mm-hmm. So if you were hunting, like areas with big draws, say like bigger canyons, mm-hmm. how long will you work one canyon before? Because, I mean, they're not like elk. They're not going to bugle at you or, oh, no. you know, they're not going to be making a ton of noise because an elk's right. huge. So how long will you work an area before you go, you know what, let's go five miles this way, restart? Because again, so it, it'd be it easy goes, to get discouraged. It is. So the the leading up to when we know, we already kind of have a generalization now of when they're probably going to hit peak rut, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in the area. we We know that. So... Before that, because all of us, the minute late archery season opens, we're gung ho. Let's go f- kill a deer. Oh, you're gonna have to bleep that. Uh, <laughs> but that's what. Let's go do it, right? So the first couple of weeks, we really try and focus on where are all these does hanging out, mm-hmm. and we'll 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 have spots where hey, there's good numbers of deer here. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they're gonna stay here for the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so if we're hunting a spot, sometimes those deer will just move, and they haven't moved that far. But if you can't find them, then you go to the next spot that you have kind of, you know, where we saw good numbers here. They seem to kind of be congregating, and then we'll go work that. You know, bucks like to bed. Uh, I found most bucks that when they're bedding, they're bedding within a couple hundred yards from the top of the ridge, usually closer to the top than, you know, than the 200. They're closer up higher, you know, 50 to 100. Okay. Um, So... I'll, I I'll, I really like to start kind of close to that. I, I like to kind of be, I want to get in their business and get kind of close to where I think they're going to be at. Um, but again, those does, they rule it. I, wherever they're at, that's where I want to hunt. Um, that's why Tyler likes that, that pine thicket. There's feed every direction if they want to walk out. But they all go there to lay down and it's not that big of a spot. Mm-hmm. And so, and they're always in there. There's always deer in there. You don't know what's going to be in there because the bucks will travel. It's funny because this particular spot, so it's pretty good, you know, pretty good size, like pine thicket. And then there's clear cuts all the way around it. 
and the Bucks actually don't necessarily always lay in that pine ticket. They'll lay in one that's clear across the road from that. It's like 300, 400 yards away. Really? And we didn't realize that. We thought that they were laying in there because we had killed a couple out of there, or Tyler had. And um, we were coming out one night, and here they come running across the road. And then one morning, they're going back. Hmm. We're like, well, what the hell? Well, let's go up in after season. Let's go up in there and tra- traipse around. Oh, man, they were all buck, but the, the bucks were hanging up there. And I don't know why. There was more than one. It didn't make any sense to me. Hmm. I was puzzled. So I guess expect the unexpected when it comes to them. There's really no rhyme or reason to what they do. But, again, if you really focus on where your does are at, you should have no problem. Hmm. You should have no problem. And, you know, Oregon's pretty – this is going to be weird, but they're, it's pretty liberal. <laughs> but yeah. it's liberal in in how you're allowed to hunt deer, so you can bait them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you got does, if you want to sit there and feed and pay money to feed them does, you know, in certain areas that are open, man, that that might be your key. You got all the does coming there; it's inevitable that a buck's going to show up. Right? He's yeah. going to. Are you uh, hunting moon phases at all? Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I am a big fan of moon phases, and I hunt opposite. Of what everyone else thinks, right? Well, what's everyone else think? Full moons are bad. That's what they say. But, you know, um, I'm big on the full moon. Really? That's what I thought. What I've noticed is during the rut, rut, a few days before the full moon Mm -hmm. seems to be pretty good for deer movement. Then it'll be full. There'll be a couple days where it'll shut off. And then as it starts to wind down. It's, man, right during that peak, you got to know the peak of your critters. You got to know when they peak. And then, so you want to hunt that moon around that peak. Right. As it's starting to come off of that full moon, I think it's just, that's when we've seen the biggest, the biggest bucks and killed our biggest bucks. You, you've kind of geeked out in this area and that's why I went here because you told me about the book or the diary that you kept, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you're not just going by the, you know. Oh, I know. From how many years of keeping track? Twenty some. So this I, isn't I have just a book. This isn't I, just. Oh, yeah. I think you literally know. I have logged a diary still to this day. I mark in there. I can go back to every blacktail I've killed. Yeah. Every, every blacktail I've killed, every single one, hmm. and tell you what the date was, what the moon phase was, relatively what the temperature was, and what the conditions were. And so, I we try and look at that. We okay. really, really try hard to look at that. And because, man, you know, Tyler and I are working guys. We're like everybody else. You, we, mm-hmm. we got, Man, you don't have this stuff if you don't work for it. So, you right. know, you, you've got to work for it, right? So we try and plan that time when we're going to get our best days in the woods. Because otherwise, you know, God, if you plan your vacation and it ain't good timing, you're probably not coming right. home with a filled tag. And, and really, that's kind of the goal, you know, is, is to we're on a mission to fill those tags. So we've got to allow ourselves the best possibilities. Right. And I know everybody says don't hunt on a full moon. And I really don't. Don't hunt on a full moon. Don't. Because <laughs> that leaves them for us. I don't yeah. care. Well, you, you know, I wouldn't elk. I, I mean, take it with a grain of salt because if I'm going to go hunting, I'm going to go hunting. Like we shot yeah. his bear this year, 39 yeah. degrees and raining. Oh, yeah. And then when I and, shot in August, it was 105. Yep. He called me, and I'm like, I don't even want to yep, go. Like, I it is one. way too hot. And he's like, let's just go. And yep. 
an hour, we were mm-hmm. skinning a bear. Yep, because I killed one at 97 degrees a week earlier, and I had almost stuck the one with a bow that he had killed. And he was at the top of the unit, which means he'd been moving, he moving for, for a while. A while, and yeah, it was right. a big, steep, nasty unit. So yep. unless he was bedded somewhere in there, which is you possible. It's yeah. possible, but he'd been on the move for a while. And but it yeah, was I'm hotter than hot. The couch, long story short. That's what I've always said. I, I yeah. know I might not kill one. And maybe I don't know where to go, but I know where I won't kill one. That's sitting at home going, man, I should have well, gone. I'll tell you, the more right. I'm out in the woods, the luckier I get, if that's what if that's what you want to call it. Create so, opportunity. Create your opportunity. Yeah, you, yeah, and you can. And and I'm not saying that that, that full moon is, is the key to it, but, you know, I'm not the only one that believes it. And when I started studying deer, I, I read that, hey, d- full moon, you have better deer movement. Day t- daytime deer movement. So I was and like, that's key, cause well, that don't make, well, yeah, cause you're not going to shoot them in a spotlight. I mean, <laughs> some people do, but you're not gonna, right. Um, so, you know, I started studying it and, and I, even still to this day, I'll have that thing in my truck. A lot of times I, I wish I had, I wish I would have brought it. I didn't even think about it. I, I should have, cause we could have just went through Gosh, and say, boom, it. you know, Photocopy it's, it. it's that but, age getting to them guaranteed yeah <laughs> laugh now now cry much later i guarantee you you know i mean i'll be there give and, me about actually i'm probably already there i'm probably the most forgetful person i know well you know i mean so i don't even want to know how bad i'm going to be at i wouldn't years. have brought any of this if you wouldn't have texted and said hey man or called me and said bring you know this stuff. for the I youtube crowd out there i thought visual bring yeah. it you know and the no, no, was i never idea. would have thought you would have brought a 140 inch rack black tail rack well, well, that was worth it you, right you asked to bring the tools i use and i brought right. exactly what i used. the only tool i didn't is that book i use that book and i st- and i will i will go out when i'm just scouting in the summertime and and log what i see you know last year we didn't hunt black tails it was really weird it was mm-hmm. just you know i mean i did with gin and my daughter but i i didn't i mean we were hunting elk during um the late season that's right and it totally sucked i hated it but we killed some good mule deer funny thing is we leaned on some of our blacktail knowledge to do it really we really did it it kicked my butt i i'm tyler wants to do it again this year i'm not as excited about it because it's hard for me it's it's brutal mule deer are not an easy critter to be killing in the early season and you know we chase that she's you talk about couple of screw-ups we look like the two stooges <laughs> out there it was all new uh-huh. and um the weather changed and when the weather changed they started betting in different locations which gave us the upper hand i was like well hell if we can't kill them we'll at least get close they're not i mean honestly i tried to put a, i'll tell you about one instance real quick i mm-hmm. tried to put a sneak on these deer that we saw i was like well we kind of have an idea where they're going mm-hmm. i can get there before them if i hurry and um, we were probably eight or 900 yards. Tyler was going to stay back and watch through the spotting scope. And, you know, um, we, we had cell service, so he would buzz me if, you know, something went awry. I didn't make it 300 yards past him, and <laughs> things saw me. Really? I'm like, how? No way. I never even ran. I don't even know if you could have shot him with a rifle. They were that far away. And they took off, and I'm like, dude. This isn't going to be easy at all. I mean, you can't yeah. even get within range. But um, I like to hunt uh, blacktails, too, going back to weather. Windy days are kind of my favorites. Really? Because deer don't really like to be in the timber 
like the heavy timber as much when it's super windy. Shit's falling out of the trees. They don't want to be in there. They can't so if, decide what's actually a threat or is that just something right. that's getting blown down? Well, and everything's moving, right? We went yeah. back to the way they see and visualize things and everything's moving. So it's really hard for them to stay focused. They're pretty edgy mm-hmm. when the, when it's really windy. But what I've noticed is is they'll they'll hang out on fringes of open areas a lot. Um, hmm. A couple years ago, let me think, was it the last one I shot? It wasn't. It was not the last one, the one before that. At any rate, it was super windy. He was out in a clear cut chasing a doe. And I had just come out of the timber and saw him, and I was like, oh, my God, this, this is great. He wasn't huge, but he was a mature buck. You know, I um, he chased a doe. I bleated at him. He didn't pay no attention. I grunted at him. He stiffened up. He kind of came. They, he chased her back to where I had a shot. I shot underneath the deer. Mm. He never even noticed it because it was windy and noisy. He took off, chased her. He comes back. I shoot over the deer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, moron, you have a rangefinder in your pocket. What are you doing? You know, I mean, I just, now I'm in a panic because I got two arrows left and I just missed a deer <laughs> twice. You never, I'd love to, to meet somebody else that's missed a damn blacktail twice in one day and still killed it. <laughs> but I did it. Nope. It's a tough I one. I missed get. one once and got him. But I missed one once and then walked 100 yards up the skid road and looked down and went, oh, there's another better buck and i ended up shooting that oh. one but different deer right i'm i'm i could one not and I am believe it so now yeah. i'm shaking and and he finally came he cha- he's just chasing this thing and so i kind of threw in all the call and wasn't going to work but he comes back and i and i was able obviously i ranged him and made sure my shit was good and i shot him you know uh-huh. got my stuff together but the wind was huge that day if 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 it wouldn't have been as windy if it wouldn't have been what it was I'd have never got multiple shots, obviously, but I was, I was pretty much free to do a lot of moving because everything around me was just moving around and he just, he was oblivious to anything but her. Hmm. Um, now had it been a quieter day, a minute that bow went off and hit the the first shot, would he'd have been gone. They both would have. So I had a question for you and that kind of brings us to that, the bow noise thing. Um, so I know whitetails are famous for it. In your experience, because you've shot more than me, will blacktails get leery of that bow noise? Because I know you see it and you hear about it, especially with whitetails, you know, completely getting out of the way. And I've seen it once with me. But how often do you, have you had it happen or seen it happen where a deer, even at close range, will mm-hmm. be somewhat effective of getting out of the way and either making a good shot turn into a horrible shot or miss um so i've had a couple i i think i shot tall a little too tall to begin with but they actually did duck it but the most interesting one i had was this has been quite some years ago where i really wasn't focusing on i mean i had a kid at home so i was going to shoot you know the first pretty much buck that came along i had a small three point um he was just with a group of does um and and he was walking along they never saw me and he was 20 yards when i shot i shot perfect and that deer turned around to go the other way and caught that arrow in the neck on the Mm. opposite side really (laughs) is my bow that slow i mean it could be i got a short draw length i mean it could be but it blew me away 
I hit that deer in the neck on the opposite side when I'm aiming for the heart. Well, look at that I video last year. I just couldn't believe it. Look at that video last year. My dad sh- shoots at that one buck. It wasn't a great shot to begin with. It wouldn't have killed it even if the deer was just stood there probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that deer was already running away from him. And that arrow hit the tree about – he. the deer actually was running away about three bounds, and then that arrow hits the tree that the deer was standing behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I had Holy it – smokes. I had it happen this last late season towards the end. Yeah. It was just a little buck, and I bumped him. And so he was – I bumped him, but I don't think he really knew what I was. So he was aware of something being there, but he didn't – you know, he kept looking back at well, me. Well, and I think that's the key, though, right there, is if they're aware, aware, if they know – like, you know, if you got that, – that particular buck I was talking about that hit in the neck, mm-hmm. he, he saw me come to full draw, and when mm-hmm. I was at full draw, he mm-hmm. kind of whipped his head around like, Same what was that? Yeah. So – I'll be honest with you, a lot of the deer that I've shot successfully, they had no clue or they were actually walking. You know, I, I'm not that guy that shoots way out. I'm just not going to. Not on deer. They, they, they're, they're probably fast. They're, they're fast. I've, yeah. You know, if you can get them close and they're moving and, you know, you're good with your bow and you just kind of move with them and touch it off, man, they're not going to have a chance, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. The one I'm talking about, he, he finally – I got back on him, and he was quartered away somewhat hard, but which I was okay with the angle because I just with a deer. I mean, I'm set up for shooting elephants darn near <laughs> with my compound. Well, that's okay. <clears throat> you know, so I I knew penetration wasn't going to be a problem because right. I knew I was going to have to hit him back to get the arrow in there to get it to come out this way. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at me, and there was a madrone tree lined up perfect with his off shoulder, like to a T. And I anchored, and he sat there, and when I shot, it was this flash of brown and that arrow smacked that madrone tree the deer was gone that arrow was completely clean there was nothing on it and i just stood there because the, i walked down to the arrow and i was just like i, I had nothing to say because it's like mm-hmm. you know the bow's not slow and it's quiet or you know pretty quiet the deer was just gone and it's like uh, <laughs> well, they i told a guy about it and he kind of seemed leery of like yeah right but i'm like wouldn't lie to you. Like, I'll tell you what, deer certainly don't walk on heavy feet. No, and, and he was very alert. Pretty like, amazing. He, he looked tense, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, it's not like it was 90 yards. It was a little over 40. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that now you're getting there. At 40 mm-hmm. yards with a deer, that's plenty of time for them to get out of the way. Well, I want to take, take you on the other end of the spectrum because I've had a few deer, and I, I do shoot farther. I mean, I shoot enough to where, sure. I, I mean, yeah, I shoot 70 plus yards. Right. And I've had three deer I've smoked at 70 yards that watched me shoot them. But mm-hmm. they were so far out there that they were still chewing, you know. Like, you get a deer that you draw back on. He's like, oh, crap. You know, he's already tense and everything. But mm-hmm. you get a deer that's that far out there. He's still chewing his cud, you know, looking around, looking at you. You send that arrow, he'll watch it hit him. Yeah. I mean, oh, I've had yeah. that happen multiple times. So, Oh, yeah. No, um, I agree with you. Yeah. But it's but, all about the scenario and, and the deer. I, I do that's right. that. But, you so. know, when you have that kind of a distance, he's feeling a little bit better about the You're odds, not in you his know? wheelhouse. Right. Yeah, you're, and you're, he was <laughs> out in the middle. Of the, we were both out in the middle of the open, mm-hmm. and that's why I, I love uh, early season. I don't right. wait till late season. That's not a secret. But, I mean, if I, if you can shoot a pretty good distance, you can really smoke a good buck early season. Oh, yeah. No, Everybody's I totally like, how agree. Do, yeah, how do you get in those units? I'm not getting in those units. I'm walking logging roads, skid roads. I'm walking the edges of it. Uh Back when I was hunting by myself, when I had no friends that were bow hunting, when I had no friends, 
Uh, <laughs> you have friends? I have a few friends. If he doesn't accept the fact that I'm the star of the show, he's going to lose one. <laughs> yeah, you know, Did you try... point at me as one of those? Oh, yeah. Oh, come yeah, on. Just here. because I let you pet my goat doesn't mean we're you're friends. You're in buddy. my man <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's trying to get 10% off. Uh, yeah. 10% off of what? <laughs> yeah. You got to kill stuff to get 10% off. That's it. <laughs> my only taxidermy bills since he's been a taxidermist have come from Shelby. Oh, Jesus. This Africa trip's going to be the death of me with a taxidermy that, bill. That's I, no joke. All well, my taxidermist hey, bills have been Shelby. I told you that going in. I was totally fine I think with you that. did pretty good. You didn't kill every animal that you could have. Thank God. <laughs> that cutie would have put me over the edge and that black wildebeest. That's what they bank on is that you're going to get over there and get trigger happy. Whoa, you know, target rich environment. Well, they they tried. Tried. Absolutely. They tried. Start shooting stuff. Sure they did. It's their business. And I stuck to my guns yeah. and stuck with my bow is what I did. So that's basically hour and 36 minutes worth of uh, blacktail hunting. Some rabbit holes. Some rabbit holes. Some How elk. We, some we other covered stuff. elk, Africa, and blacktails. All. <laughs> well, it's easy for me to steer towards elk just because for calling, I just yeah. have way more experience. And it's, one, I... That's why I asked about getting discouraged because I've kind of shied away from the calls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not because I don't think they're effective. I know they're effective. But it's just when you get no responses, you don't see a deer all season responding to these calls. It's easy to be like, you know what? I'm going to go over here and blast. And and I think it's because that we are still, as a general rule, as hunters and sportsmen, we are still – Using the techniques that we learned 20 years ago. That's it right there. We, we're still doing it. One thing I'd, I asked, I've asked several guys over the years, you ever read a study on deer? Well, you, oh, I've read them. No, they haven't. You know, have you ever just really got, just, you know, there's a lot of uh, biologists that, that you can learn a ton because they have deer in captivity. People raise white-tailed deer. These deer are different, but not a lot. I mean, there's still a deer at the end. You, you do yourself huge favors to go on there and, and learn about what they see, what they smell, how they use mm-hmm. ground, and what they're going to do in certain situations, and how they sound. The, the whole key to this isn't sounding like Will Primo's. The whole key to it is sounding exactly like those deer sound. That you, you want them to believe that you're another deer. They don't believe you're another deer when you do the old standard <laughs> that everybody does and clackety clack on the horn because yeah. everybody's doing it. Yeah, guilty. I mean, they're, and not every deer's experienced it, but a lot of them have. Yeah. A lot of them have. Think about how many hunters we got out there beating horns around in the woods. Over time, they're going to have experiences. Um, and again, every deer is different. Mm-hmm. You know, some come running in. You know, the ones that you you rarely ever kill are the ones that you just you, you never heard him. You know, we just I just said it. They don't walk on heavy feet. You won't hear them sometimes. You'll just all of a sudden see him standing there, and he's close, and it's like, well, shit. Because he already knows you're not real. He's watching you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think back to a time, this has been years ago, I was I was rifle hunting then. And it was the uh, end of October and I'd sat down behind my house before they logged it. You know, the, yeah. all that reprod. It was yeah. big timber. Great deer hunting back there then. Um, there used to be tons of deer around the house. It just obviously went on the downhill slide. But I called, I'd, I'd walked back there the day before. 
and it was a last it was getting down to the last days and i'd seen some big rubs on cedars and i'm like holy shit he's in here i mean he had just done this so i i'll go back and i'll set up and i did and i called for god i don't know 45 minutes or an hour it was so brutally cold that day it was mm. one of those days where it's just foggy and freaking cold mm. you know bone chilling just bone chilling yeah. so i was like okay well this isn't working. Nothing's coming in. I was in a perfect spot that I could see everything. Let timber come up to some. Now that timber's big, but it was reprod then. Mm-hmm. And it, so it was big timber that hit reprod. And so it's pretty dark and dense inside that reprod. At any rate, I get up. I put all my shit on, um, gather up all my stuff, and I turn around. And I look, and here's this big buck standing there looking at me and i know he just watched me put all my gear on <laughs> so you go to the talk about impatience mm-hmm. that was a perfect time i was a lot younger and i was impatient um i tell guys man if you're not right like if you just don't really feel like it you probably shouldn't be trying to call deer you you have to have all your situational and senses on you know on point when you go to call deer mm-hmm. If, if you're just, if you're half-assing it, you're never going to kill one. Hmm. You're just not. They're, you know, I mean, you have to be on your game when you go. Right. So, it, it's difficult. We've had a lot of success. Tyler and I work real well together, but I think it's because mainly I've come up with some unorthodox ideas and, and changed the game for us. It's like, I'm not going to go with that old standard because it's not working anymore. And so let's try it this way. Let's try and do something that somebody else isn't right. and see if it works. And um, and then there's a ton of luck. I, I, I People say, no, it's not luck. You know, you've killed big ones. Tyler does. Gentleman does. You know, it, I've been hunting blacktails for probably as long as you guys have damn near been alive. Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it. You know what I mean? There was a time when I was just like you wondering, how do, how do I do this better? Right. You know, and how do I, how do I really excel in it? And I didn't have a lot of time until, you know, the last probably 10 years is when it's really, you know, um, started to turn around for me. When I worked at Waldron's, those guys elk hunted, right? So I wasn't going elk hunting that much. So I took my vacation during that rut, during that late season. And I just kept on after it. And, you know, really I've only killed the one buck that you, you know that's a giant i mean the rest of them are great they're they're great bucks i i have no idea how many i have that would go pope and young P- plenty lot, you know yeah. um but that one is is in the 140s and that's the biggest i've ever i've, I've never killed a deer out of the 140s other than that mule deer well he wasn't he was like 149 and a half that's so he didn't even, you yeah. last year. that's a good buck. yeah he was a good buck takes good photos yeah. <laughs> oh, do, uh, yeah. I mean, if you want to get on into the photos, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> and you are you are screwing yourself if you're not taking time to make beautiful photos. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's all you got to put you back at that time. Right. I mean, I'm a taxidermist, and I don't know how you guys see it, but when you walk in and you look at your critter hanging on the wall, when I look at mine, it doesn't take me back to that day. It, it you know, it, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But when I see that photo in the house, it takes me back to that day mm. and, and how cool it was. Like one of my favorite photos is of Jenilyn and I with her five by five mm. because it just that day was so great and so special because 
she'd killed a couple of good bucks, but nothing like that. Hell, I know. I mean, that thing's special. It really is. It's just a perfect five by five deer. And, um, I'll never forget it. I mean, it, it was just a great day. And, and that picture of us sitting there behind that thing is, is just, it, it takes me back to the whole scenario from when I first saw him to right. my, my little bit of panic mode because she couldn't see him. And I'm like, what the is going on here? Kill this deer. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of things you guys really need to make sure you take your good photos. I mean, I agree. and not, not just you guys, I'm talking to the listeners here. Yeah they're the most important thing and and it's so easy nowadays it's right here yeah you you, you have no excuse you yeah. know it used to be oh i didn't pack a camera well bullshit you, you, you don't it. have that excuse you got it now yeah and these take good pictures and, and i'm a big advocate of of clean it up oh Make gosh it yeah absolutely mm-hmm. oh and then um, like, oh i shouldn't have to do that you know tongues hanging out and blood and yeah stuff. you know i you know what i started doing about five or six years ago cutting the tongues off yeah, that's a Why great not? way. I, I mean, stuff them in. Um, it's just easier because you're moving it, it around. Is. It's going to fall back out. I lob it off as far back as I can. Like on yeah. Shelby's bull, a lot of the photos too, what we did was yeah. kept it on the ground. So his mouth's not hanging out, right. open. You know, it almost looks like he's yeah. bedded there. Which is great for your bulls, but for your bucks, you need to cut the tongue off and try and – we always, we always uh, pack – one of two things: baby wipes are great, mm-hmm. or water bottle. Water bottle, yeah. You know, and just clean his face up, clean yeah. where you shot him up. A wet fern, even, yeah, will it, go a long yeah, ways. It I will. Mean, Moss, you I can mean, clean them up. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. that that's important because there's a lot of people that don't want to look at it. I remember some this gal; she's total anti hunting, and um, she saw some of my photos, and she was like, "That's just amazing. They don't even look. To, they just look like they're sleeping." I'm like, "Yeah, I, it's really important to me. Me too. I don't want to just hold up the head, the severed head. Me too. I've got those. See like, a lot of those right in the stupid. back of the truck, yeah. and it's just oh yeah, meat horrible. And blood. It's like, well, you know, okay. So our local radio that, station does the share your shot photo <laughs> contest every year, right? How many I'm, of those do you get? <laughs> well, I, I donate a, a shoulder mount to the winner, right? Right. And, and they'll sometimes come in because I let it go for like a year. So they've got a couple opportunities, but I'm just stunned looking at the photos through that every year and kind of let down a little bit because the vast majority of them are just that they've lopped the head off yeah. or they got him gutted or they think it's cool to look all one kind of way. And I'm like, God, those should just like instantly be eliminated. You know, nobody wants to see Don't that. Don't even post those. I mean, you well, my, my thing is, is like, well, I'm not an ambassador. I'm just going out and doing my thing. If you upload a photo on the internet, you are automatically an ambassador because any anti hunter can go on there and grab that photo Absolutely. and use it against you. Cause so, that's my thing. You will be really hard to find a photo that I've ever uploaded ever that doesn't have it cleaned up, that doesn't have the legs tucked, that doesn't right. that just isn't presentable. I mean, and then I like these oddball shots, the cool angles, mm-hmm. but clean the blood up. I mean, the first thing I did when we got all or that the guys did in Africa, they immediately cleaned it up. Any blood on the rocks, everything, the right. dust on it. I mean, it's very important to them, especially after the freaking Cecil the Lion thing. That, oh, yeah. that uh, and, and I could talk to you guys uh, off the podcast about that because it's a whole different perspective over there. But sure, if you were posting something on the internet, not to get luxury, you are an ambassador for the sport. And yeah, we all know that there's blood involved. We all know that 
what a bullet can do where it hits certain places. And I, you know, I personally don't want to see that. Right. Um, you go on some of these Facebook pages and I almost just unsubscribe from them. It just, sure. I don't want to be a part of those bad photos. Right. Have them on your cell phone, show them to your buddies, keep it off the internet. But uh, any final thoughts on your end there, Anthony? Dirty, Team Dirty Trad. Yeah. Dirty oh, Trad. Yeah. Keep it dirty. Instagram that. There you go. There's your slogan right there. We called him something when he was young <laughs> that was kind of dirty. So it does fit a little bit. There you go. That's right. <laughs> well, he embraced it, though. He embraced yeah. it, though. Well, no, nah, I want to do it with that. <laughs> PG-17. Yeah. That's right. Uh, what about you, Wayne? I, you know, I gave you about as many tips and tricks as I can think of. Um, just don't, don't give up on them. If you really seriously want a trophy buck, you've got to keep, it could take you years to do it and you may only get one. I mean, there's guys out there that have killed bunches of them, but if you look at them, um, there was a book called Boyd Iverson, uh, uh not called Boyd. It was called Trophy Blacktails, uh, Hunting Trophy Blacktails by Boyd Iverson. Very good read. He'd killed, you know, tons of deer, mm -hmm. but this guy hunted years ago. Okay. So a lot of these up and comers, yeah, there's always, there's going to be that guy every year that kills that big old blacktail. Mm -hmm. But I think the days of us, uh, being a Boyd Iverson are, are kind of slimming down. There's yeah. a few of us that have got the knack of it. Um, Danny Bowers is, is a great one I can think of right now that, that him and his family have killed some phenomenal blacktails and they seem to just do it year after year after mm -hmm. year. I don't know how they pull it off. They're rifle hunting them. So it's even to me, it's like, whoa, how are they doing that? Yeah. You know, but they figured it out and he knows where to look for them. Mm -hmm. um, and generally, if you if you're finding big bucks, I know, you know they're there for a reason. Right. So he may not be there next year, but there's probably going to be another one. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that these big mature blacktails want to be there. That part I haven't quite figured out. I'm still working on that. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you can pretty much rest assured that if you find big mature bucks in a given area, even if you don't ever see that one again, there'll be another one to replace him. Mm hmm. You know, they just, there's something there until they log it or do something and it changes. Right. Which, and that's going to happen. You know, fire goes through it. Who knows? Host of things could Stout happen Street. to change it. Stout Street. They lock that know. thing up. It burnt. I mean, we used to, nope. we don't see near as many deer there as now. So, right. well, yeah, uh, great. I think we're going to have to do another one um, on, on your pat goats that you got going on here. Um, and then you, Anthony, with your, with your trad stuff, we're going to have to pick your brain on that too. But thank you guys both for coming on the show. And uh, we will be picking up another another episode together in the future, I'm sure. It'll be great. So, all right, guys. Well, you guys have a Thanks great night. Thanks for having us. Hey, not a problem. Well, there it is, guys. Episode two, the Blacktail episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I got a lot out of it. Definitely stuff I'm going to be using for next season. But I wanted to say, leave me a five-star review on iTunes or Podbean or whatever. Make sure you leave me a comment as well. Get yourself entered in the second contest for the Onyx Maps membership. And uh, do yourself a favor. Be sure to check them out if you don't win. They are awesome. Uh, I also want to announce that Corey Jacobson is going to be coming on the show for one of my next episodes, and I'm really excited to answer a lot of questions that maybe you guys have. I know I have a ton for him. He is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to putting elk on the ground and calling him in. So, you know, when to call, how to call, what to say, when to say it, all that stuff. I'm going to cover that with Corey. And if you have any direct questions you want me to ask him, 
feel free to let me know, especially through Instagram. That's probably the best place to do it. Uh, but make sure when you leave that five-star review, leave a comment so I know that it's you and I can get you entered in that second giveaway. So as always, guys, thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.